Um, but I have the privilege of preaching today, um, continue our series in Luke. I have Luke 14, 12 to 14. Um, before I get started, I just wanted to share a little story with you guys. So the, the, the last company I, I used to work for, there was a guy, we're going to call him Jimmy. And Jimmy, um, he was pretty cool, Jimmy. He got along with a lot of people. But uh, the thing about Jimmy is that Jimmy, he wanted to be a manager. He wanted to be like up there, you know, in management. So Jimmy realized that he couldn't get there on his merit. So he started to hang out with the managers, right? And do things with the managers. So he would, um, he'd go to lunch with them. Sometimes he'd pay for it. Uh, if they were doing something, he found a way to get there, to be there with them. Um, and then Jimmy started to do something else. Jimmy started to hang out with some of the coworkers. And when the coworkers would complain about something, he would go and share that with the managers. And he used it as a ploy to get close to the managers. And the thing about it is that after a while, it worked. The managers trusted Jimmy. And the managers gave him a senior position. And he used that senior position and he continued to elevate his way. But what Jimmy didn't realize is that the, the senior promotion was his reward. All the people that he was close to and friends with stopped trusting him. No longer did they want to go to lunch with him. No longer would they talk to him at work. It got really cold there. He'd tell people to do things, and they wouldn't do them. And um, after a while, Jimmy realized he couldn't work there anymore because nobody liked him. So then he left. <laughs> he left. Now, I know it's a sad story, but uh, the, the moral of that story is sometimes you get what you want. Right? And it's not always what you expected. So as we go into the text today, I'm going to be reading uh, verses 12 to 14. I got three verses today, guys. Usually I have like 47 verses. And uh, Monique, I saw the amount of announcements you have. God bless you. God be with you. Um, Winnie passed it on to somebody else this week. Hallelujah. Um, but if you can, let's, let's read along, okay? He said also to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today, God. And as I always say, Lord God, I just want to be your mouthpiece today. Would you use me to uh, share the words, Lord God, that you want to share with your people today, God? I pray, Lord God, for hearts that are open and receptive, for ears that want to listen to what you have to say, God. I pray that your spirit would have free reign in this room today, Lord, and that you would do a work in our hearts, because at the end of the day, we all want to be just like you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. So we see Jesus at another feast. I don't know how many feasts Jesus was at. I feel like Jesus was like invited to all the feasts um, that the Jews had, but he was invited to another feast. But Jesus, again, in the feast, he's being Jesus. He confronts uh, the host of the feast and he confronts him on the exclusivity of the feast, right? 
And my first point for today is what motivates who you spend your time with. See, Jesus calls into question the motives of this gathering and the motives of our gatherings. And he says something uh, very, um, what, you, what you would seem very harsh, right? He says, do not invite. But that's not actually the literal translation of the text. He meant don't only invite, right? Because people are like, yo, but I got to invite my cousin over because then if I don't invite my cousin, there's family drama. I know all about family drama. If you don't invite somebody, somebody's going to end up talking and sharing and, you know, oh, I can't believe John thinks he's better than us. He didn't invite us to this thing. You know, all that kind of stuff. And that's not it. Jesus is like, don't only invite. Don't become an exclusive club where you exclude other people and it's just the choice people that are at this event, right? So this is what Jesus is, is, is speaking to today. And what that is, that's a self-centered heart when you exclude people. And Jesus here, he goes and he's confronting that self-centered heart and he's saying, you know, if you focus on your self-centeredness, the reward that you get, just like Jimmy, will be the reward that you were seeking. But it's actually not the thing you really wanted. Correct? <clears throat> it's the gratification, that instant gratification that we want, right? And as I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but think about a few examples of where we befriend people, we spend time with people, but we're only doing it to get something out of that person, right? Have you ever been around people who spend time because they want to be friends with the person that you're friends with? So they really don't want to be your friend. They want the hookup. Let's say you got a hookup for like Nike, right? Yo, I want to be your boy, but not really. I want to be that boy's boy because he gets 60 off at Nike outlet. Or... You know, uh, that person works at the movie theater, so I want to be your friend because I want to get their friend so I can go see the movies uh, when they come out. I can go in for free. Or I want to be your friend because that person has that dope restaurant that they manage or that they own, and I want to go to that restaurant, so that's why I want to be your friend. There's always a, a means to their end, right? So, um, and what happens is that we present a false, uh, a false self to others. We really don't care about the person. We only care what we can get out of them. So maybe you're, you're a parent in the room and you're befriending the principal or the dean or the PTA president so that your kid gets preferential treatment at school. Ooh, that's going to hit home to some people in here. <laughs> like, no, I bake stuff for everybody. Nope, you only bake stuff for the principal. Stop lying. You didn't bake anything for the lunch lady or for the janitor or custodian or anything like that. You baked it for the principal, right? Or like I was saying, you have lunch. Uh, instead of having lunch with your coworkers, you have lunch with the higher-ups because you want that manager spot like Jimmy did. You want that, that promotion like Jimmy did. So you go and you, you have a relationship with these people because you know you can't get there on your merit, so you want to get there on your relationship. Or maybe, it's going to hit home, you invite the pastor over for dinner. Justin, you in here? He's been over my house for dinner, but I, I'm not trying to get anything out of him. <laughs> um, but you invite the pastor over for dinner. 
You, or you invite the leaders of the church over for dinner, or you invite the worship leader over for dinner, right? You want to be friends with the worship leader or worship leaders in the room. You want to be friends, right? And it's not so that you can be friends with these people. It's that you want some clout. Maybe you want a role in leadership. Maybe you have an agenda that you want to get across in the church. So you befriend these people, and while you're having dinner with them, while you're hanging out, you're always like, yo, you know what would be a really good idea? Or you know what would be this? Or you walk around and you tell people things, and they think you're a leader because you hang out with the pastor? How many have been at church like that? I've been at a church like that, right? Where it's like, oh, I hang out with the pastor, so it's like, I'm going to tell you what to do. And it's like, wait a second. <laughs> I don't remember anybody ever appointing you to over anything. So you get those. Or another one, you hang out with the same circle of friends over and over and over again because you don't want anyone to call you out on your sin or on your wrong way of living. You don't invite people into the room. You don't invite new people in because someone might say, man, that doesn't measure up to the gospel. But all your friends are cool with it because they all do it too. So it's okay. And Jesus is like, no, 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 it's not good. Th th that's not good. It's not good to be self-centered in your motives. But there's another way. Because if you're self-centered, the reward that you're going to get is what you've been looking for. If you want that promotion, you'll get it. If you want the clout, you'll get it. And you'll get it, and it'll be momentary, and it'll be short-lived, and it will not gratify you at all. It'll leave you wanting. You invite people so that you can get the invite. I know a lot of people like that. And I want to talk about my favorite show on TV, The Office. There's an episode in season six where Jim becomes the, uh, the um, co-regional manager of the branch. And Dwight hates Jim. And Dwight wanted that role for himself. So Dwight goes and he drives from Pennsylvania. The show takes place in Scranton, Pennsylvania drives into New York City to pick some H&H &H bagels up and then drives back all the way to Pennsylvania and to bring them bagels. And one of the people, I forgot who I was, I think it was Andy, says, you went to H&H &H bagels in Manhattan? He's like, oh, is there not a place closer? Like, come on. We all know that. But he says, oh, I'm just giving you this bagel. Oh, you know, like, I, I just want to be friendly. I just... And then under his breath, he's like, so you owe me something. And what he wanted was he wanted them to get Jim fired, to get him removed from that role. We can all walk around with that kind of thing in our heart where we do things for people because we want something out of them. We want something out of that relationship. And Jesus says, you'll get repaid what you want. If that's what you're looking for, you'll get it. He doesn't say we won't get it. He says you'll get it. So if you were looking for that invite, you're going to get the invite. You know, you throw an amazing party. You have great food, great entertainment, and you invite this person over who's really influential and you think is amazing, and you spend the entire party with them, and you're like, yo, look at all of this. And they're like, yeah, I'm having a party in two weeks. Why don't you come over? Uh, you go to their party. The food is mediocre. The entertainment is, you know, it's like a fake entertainment. It's like Chianse and not Beyonce, right? It's... um. It, it's, and then at the party, they're not even hanging out with you. They say hello, and then they go on. But you were seeking the invite. That's what you got. 
See, what you really wanted was you wanted the clout, you wanted the popularity that they had, but what you got was the invite, what you, what you sought, which was just an invite. And Jesus gives us that second option. And that leads to my second point. A life defined by Christ is a life of welcoming outsiders into friendship. See, it's not about us centered, it's about being others centered. Jesus lived a life of being others centered. It was not a self-centered life. He wasn't there to serve himself. He wasn't there to have people serve him. He was there to serve others. Jesus calls us to put value on those in society that have no value to others, but they're valuable to him. That's the key there. They might, need, they might not be valuable to others, but they're valuable to Jesus. The crippled and the lame, what can they do for, for society? Nothing. They, they're a drain on society. But to Jesus, they're valuable. The widow and the orphan, they're a drain on society. But to Jesus, they're valuable. And this is not something that was new to the people, right? This was something that Jesus was reiterating. He was reiterating something that was old, something that was practiced, that was told to them to do from old. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, in the New Living Translation, it says it like this, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners, for you yourself were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. This is God being the example setter for the people. He showed them what it looked like to show love to people that may not necessarily receive love. And you're probably in your head right now thinking, well, that's the Old Testament and Jesus was talking to the Israelites and that's not New Testament, so he's not talking to me. Well, I got one for you. <clears throat> Because we were once in sin. We were once separated from God. We were once outsiders. And Paul so eloquently put it in Ephesians 2, 11 through 13, again in New Living. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. See, the value that we place on people cannot be based off of what they can do for us. It's based off of what Christ has already done for them. But how can we show love? Jesus put it so plainly. He said, if you're having a feast, invite them. Befriend them. Spend time with them. Invest in them. Me and my wife had a hard time for a long time opening up our home to people. Because we've been burned by people in the past. New Yorkers, we know when people are not being honest. We know when people are not being genuine. 
And when you get burned, a lot of times after a while, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll let it slide the first time, maybe the second time. But third and fourth time, you're like, you're not going to get me again. And you start closing off. And that's what we did. We started closing off, right? We'd be very selective on who we allowed in our house. And that was to our detriment, not to anybody else's, because we weren't being what God had called us to be. We weren't loving people the way God had called us to love people. Um, but then we started to open up our home again. Uh, and the way I think about it is there's uh, BP before the pandemic and AP after the pandemic. <laughs> I was thinking of another one for after pandemic, but then I thought about it. It's like, doesn't sound good. Um, so uh, before the pandemic, we started to do Bible studies in our house. Uh, for Zion. And uh, some people who were here from the beginning, affectionately, I think Justin named us the Queens crew, because we live in Queens, in that distant land, that Babylonian distant <laughs> heathen land of Queens. Um, and I'll be honest, in the beginning, we would tell people, like, they're like, oh, we want to hang out. And we're like, cool. They're like, where you guys live? Queens. Ooh. <laughs> and I'm like, we come from Queens here. We know it's far. Like, you know, but uh, people wanted to hang out, you know, but it was short-lived. Did they lived in Brooklyn? If they lived in Staten Island, forget it. They're not showing up at all. They're like, I'm not paying a toll to go all the way to Queens. Um, but if they lived in Brooklyn, it was hit or miss. Like, yeah, we'll come hang out. And then, you know, something will come up or it's like, oh, that's really far, you know. Um, but uh, we started to do Bible study and we had the Queens crew and it was good. And it started off in someone named Yadi's house, who was part of the church at the time. And um, Yadi now lives in Dominican Republic and is doing a great thing over there. Um, but he started it in his house, and we would go to a Bible study there. And then Yadi moved on, so then it shifted to my house, right? And when it shifted to my house, everybody started to come to my house. And at first, I think it was like six or eight of us that were at the house. Um, but there was this guy that uh, was part of the Queens crew. He doesn't come to this church anymore. He is actually a leader at another church uh, in Queens, amazingly, uh, in Ridgewood. And his name is John Machado. And John was what I hope to be one day. John is like, he just befriends everybody. He's one of those people, like he's the person that walks in the supermarket and everybody wants to have a conversation with him. He's just walking and everybody's like, hey, don't I know you? Or that, that's my mom also. My mom knows everybody in the world. My mom's in like, you know, she just came back from St. Thomas. She's in St. Thomas. She's like, I know this person. I know this. You, you ever live in the South Side? Like it's always, everybody's from the South Side. So, um, so John, John one day calls us and says, he calls me and he says, hey, I want to bring two people to the Bible study. And I was like, and that's when me and Jess were struggling about letting people in. And I asked Jess, and she's like, oh, okay, I guess so. Um, so these two, this couple comes over, and they came over the first week, and they were pretty cool. And they were like, oh, can we come back next week? And I was like, yeah, sure, come back. And they came back the next week. And then they came back the third week. And soon enough, they were part of the Queens crew. They started to become part of our lives. Um, Knowing them for only a few weeks, it felt like we knew them for years. There was a genuine love for them. And then they started to come to Zion. And then they went to membership class. And they started to be leaders in the church and serve in different ministries. And it was because someone invited them. Someone 
said, hey, I just want to spend some time with you. Um, that's Mallory and Giovanni, and they're not here anymore. They're upstate now, an hour and a half away, uh, and they're serving at a church up there, and they're amazing people. And the only reason that that happened was because someone opened up and said, hey, why don't you come hang out? And there's a, a verse in the Bible that says that the world would know, our, know us by the way we love each other. And I think we've done a really good job of loving each other in the room, spending time with each other in the room. But we have to go outside of these walls. We can't just be loving on ourselves in this room. It's great. I love you guys. I love being with you guys. There's nothing like a Sunday like today, seeing this place packed out, and then going downstairs and eating dessert after service. It's amazing. You have the meal now, and then you go downstairs and you have dessert. I'm looking forward to it. Aaliyah sent her banana thing, I hope, because John is back there. So I hope Aaliyah, <laughs> I hope so. If not, I'm, I'm going to go drive to Long Island to go to, they're even further, guys. They're in Long Island. They're in like, they're in like Mesopotamia or something. Um, <laughs> see, so we've, we've done a good job of loving each other, but we have to make room for the second commandment, to love our neighbors. To love the ones that not everybody wants to love. To love the ones that are hurting and are broken. To love the ones that Jesus died on the cross for. And as I get ready to close out, Ben, you can make your way up. Jesus talks about a reward. And he says, you won't be repaid by those people, but you'll be repaid in heaven. Now, if you've been around church long enough, you've probably heard the joke, oh, that's an extra jewel in your crown. That's an extra room in your mansion. That's not what he was talking about. It's not a material thing. Think about it this way. When you get to heaven, that person that you opened your house to or you opened your life to, they're going to be there too. That's the reward that they're not burning in the pit but they're with you in eternity. But it goes much further because you don't know who that person knows. You don't know the reciprocal value of investing in just that one person, right? You don't know the people that they know that they're going to invite, that they're going to share the gospel with, that they're going to spread the love of Jesus to, who are going to be there also. That's your reward as well. A packed heaven with people who are strangers, but they know you because you invited their, their cousin or their friend or their sister or their brother or their mom or their dad. You shared love with them, so they're going to be a recipient of that love. Jesus is imploring us to look outward. Like I said, looking beyond these four walls, looking at the people on our blocks, the people in the parks, the people in our schools, at our jobs, how can we love them genuinely? How can we invite them into our lives? How can we break bread with them? How can we share the gospel? How can we do something with them that's maybe not church-related, but just showing them that we're real people? We enjoy a good movie. We enjoy going to, to the movies. We enjoy... Um, 
golf or whatever it is that you like to do, pickleball for, for Winnie in the room. We enjoy pickleball. We enjoy all those kind of things. We're not robots who just sit in a building and just worship God, but our lives are far more than that. See, this life is not about bringing ourselves honor, fame, glory, wealth, not gratifying ourselves. The question we should be asking ourselves is what can I do for someone who can't benefit me in any way? See, for a true follower of Christ, serving and meeting the needs of others is not optional. Jesus showed us his entire time here on earth that he lived to serve others, and we should too. So my question to you today is, how can you begin to look outward? I'm not telling you to throw a banquet with 200 people. Maybe invite your next door neighbor you've been living across the hall from for 10 years who you've never had a meal with. Invite them over to dinner or lunch or for a cup of coffee outside, whatever it is. How can you move beyond your current circle of friends to see that there's more people that are waiting to spend time with you, to get to know you, God is waiting for you to open yourself up to them. How can you meet the needs of those that are marginalized, those that no one in society really cares about? How can you be the one to meet their needs? That's my question to you today, guys. It's the question that I was asking myself all week and that I want to get better at, and I hope to God it's the thing that you want to get better at. So if you can bow your heads, I'll pray real quick. And if there's any prayer that you guys need, there'll be leaders in the back or on the sides or wherever we can fit ourselves willing to pray for you. If you've been struggling to open up your lives to people because of hurt in your heart, it's okay. We've all been there. Let's pray and let's ask God to move us along. Let's ask God to help us to be his hands and feet extended. Let's, let's ask God how we can serve the outsider because we were once the outsider. Lord, I pray over your people today, God. Help us, God, to go beyond the four walls of this building, God. Help us to go and serve those that you're calling us to serve. The people that are in our neighborhoods, on our blocks, in our buildings, at our jobs, schools, wherever we're at, God. God, it's not enough to invite them to church, God. We need to spend our lives with them. We need to invest our lives like you did with the disciples and with the people, Lord God, in Scripture, Lord God. You spent quality time, Lord God, because you cared more about people than yourself. Help us, God, to care more about people than ourselves, God. Help us to truly put others first, that we would see the kingdom of God grow, that we would see the kingdom of God at hand in our lives. Because at the end of the day, all we want is to honor you and we want the kingdom full. 
So we pray these things in your precious name. Amen.